Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave. And I'm Chris. And Dopey Nation, you're really not going to believe this one. We are in a penthouse on 95th Street and Summer Avenue in Manhattan. <laughs> and uh, who is here? But please introduce yourself. Uh, Drew Pinsky. Dr. Oh, Drew Pinsky. <laughs> this well, is good. It's a privilege. Yeah. It's a privilege for us. It's an honor and a privilege for us, yes. Now, we've been doing this show for about two years, and we have a very, very rabid and kind of half in treatment and half on drugs and a tiny bit of just voyeuristic people. I love it. And uh, it's such a treat to have somebody like you on the show. I know... Um, you were in the White House last week. Yes. I know you were at MTV. Yes. Howard Stern. And did now, you say, did you say you were stalking somebody else? I feel like I was being stalked. I, I stalk everybody. I'm a, okay. I'm, I'm all right. A universal stalker. I'm an all stalker. All purpose stalker. But Dopey has to be the high end of, of the week. Oh, of course. I was looking forward to this forever. You guys were early. I felt guilty. Yeah. It's terrible. You? I was working out. I'm like, oh, I'm running across the street to go see you guys. Yeah. It's great. Awesome. I got to take my hat off to you. You're inviting in a couple ex junkies into your apartment. Your house you know that's amazing well that was my wife and not me <laughs> i'm not sure she knew the junkie part but but i wouldn't have objected i wouldn't have objected and you and i have a special relationship which is very meaningful and, and thrilling for me frankly yes and we were throwing around some names before um you know we started recording here and the dopey nation knows i recorded one episode i i said a little bit about it and uh i didn't want to actually go into details before we got on the show but i'm just going to sort of recap how I met you. So for the members who are tuning in and don't know, uh, Dr. Drew was uh, my uh, treating physician. Well, I was I was one of your treating physicians. Many. I was the addictionologist running the program with another guy that you were in. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so uh, just to refresh your memory, I'll tell you what happened. And so I had relapsed. I was in the Pasadena area, and I would do the thing kind of up and down Colorado Boulevard, you know, the little... So, so they know your whole backstory, how you got across the country and everything? Oh, yeah. Dopey everybody Nation. Knows, everybody, everybody knows your knows story. The whole right. story, okay? Right. Please, okay. every episode is the same story. <laughs> yeah. The war stories. <laughs> oh, oh, for God's sakes. Yeah. The opiologues. I'm sure you know this. You remember Swiss Lodge? Is that even still there? Just little shitty motels. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up there, and it got kind of hard, and I did the same thing I always did. I called my parents. I said, help. And they said, go to the hospital, you know, in Pasadena where you were working mm. at this period. And so I went and checked in and I... At Hold that, on, let me ask you a real quick question. Were, were, you were on TV then too. It was Love Line was booming. You were... You yeah, were I mean, I... Celebrity TV, and... TV was always something I did in my sort of my free time. Yeah. I, I literally, like Love Line, when we did that in the late 90s, I literally said, look... All right, you guys want to do this? I can do it on Friday afternoon and Saturday afternoon, and that's it. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm doing medicine. So yeah. were your folks like, "There's this famous doctor. I got to get you to him." I had no. I had. They knew who you were. I mm-hmm. had no clue. But that was no. That was not the intention. It was just a, a, a reputable hospital in the area, and I had already gone to another place called Impact, which is a real strict therapy. All right. Community. So, so, so let me let me give you the landscape of treatment in passing at the yeah, time, right? There yeah. was there was Impact House, yes. which was where the hardcore 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 went, the, yeah. the reluctant to recover. Yes. <laughs> we were we were the court ordered them typically. Yeah. And we loved Impact. And we yeah. would send a lot of our difficult people like yourself yeah. up, up to Impact. <laughs> yeah. And if you if people failed Impact, then we were concerned. Yeah. Uh, 
there was places like Bishop Gooden at Casa de las Amigas. Bishop Gooden is this, this, this salt of the earth standard. It's like run by a bunch of there's old alcoholics. There's a cat al- in the house. Old and, alcoholics. Yeah. Been, you know, there's a rich community of recovering alcoholics in Pasadena from literally almost the mid-20th century. Yeah, and, because it was Bishop, such a nice climate, such a beautiful place to be. No, it really was a bunch of uh, highly successful government and business people that got in a shit ton of trouble and needed to get sober. And wow. it was sort of Akron light. You know, yeah. it was like a little okay. it was sort of one of the settled is we had a we had a society alcoholism society or something there that was a hundred years old. It was really like it was it just came from Ohio to Pasadena. You know, there was there was a lot of connections there. So uh Bishop Good and Costa is great and yeah. um, and then there were the hospitals, right? Mm-hmm. And we really were the place that could handle anything. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you were polydiagnosed, if you were sick medically, if you had multiple psychiatric problems and severe medical consequences from your addiction, whatever it was, when everybody else was done, we get them. Yeah. And, and we could handle you. Now, we couldn't necessarily make everybody better, yeah. <laughs> but we could handle you. Yeah. And we could try. We, could, we, we were equipped to handle everything. Which was, which, which was great for me because I love seeing that stuff. And that's sort of my expertise is getting somebody started in recovery. That's my yeah. thing. Yeah. And uh, so here you come. Yeah. <laughs> Off impact. Well, it was my parents <laughs> collaborating with my attorney. And so it was the scared straight sort of impact. And at this point, I was just doing really crazy stuff. And they were like, you must have... You know, a psychiatric problem. A psychiatric well, and, problem. and to be fair to them, you, you look psychiatric. At certain, that's our job is try to figure out what's psych, what's not, what's BS. Yeah. And what's, what he looked like then. I'll show you a picture after. It was intense. I, I, I kind of remember. I yeah. kind of remember. Yeah. He kind of looked like Bluto from Popeye. You yeah. know, the thick beard, the beady, shifty eyes. Yes. And during the and so I during gotta the see period, this. I my gotta mom see has them all written down. He's like, such a beautiful boy now. He is. He's, He's my beautiful nice boy. I hope you, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Um, so I ended up on just tons of, of psychiatric medicine. I haven't taken at, any, at our facility or before. Uh, some before the most at uh, at your facility. Tell okay. the story. Yeah. This part. Now, now okay. this part. Now we didn't like to let that happen. So that means we lost control of you. Yeah. No. So you unit. actually came in to rectify the problem. Okay. I was, I was in the chemical dependency unit when I. But before that, what I did was I came in. And I had been drink, stealing beef jerky from, um, you know, grocery stores and drinking a few 40s a day. And I, I had this idea. This was actually an original thought. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to go in and, like, pretend to be withdrawing really, really bad, fake symptoms. And so From I, what? From what? I sat on my hands. I told them I was drinking a, a – From alcohol. You're uh, I, I, no, I lied and told them I was drinking a handle of vodka a day, no. shooting a bundle of dope, and taking benzos. And I pretended to be shaking, right? And they, so they admitted good. me to – I won't go into the specific no, no, I, I want, want. I want I want clinicians. I want physicians to listen to this story yeah. <laughs> because the number one problem with the care of drug addicts today, and that's what you got into with some yeah. of your, your psychiatrists, they believe drug addicts. They believe yeah. – they believe everything they yeah. say yeah. <laughs> as opposed to believe nothing they say and try to figure out what the truth well, is. That's your goddamn job. Well, Chris and they I were talking it. last night and Chris was saying that in a place like that, they want to keep them comfortable. They're so worried about like – that's a, I, Well, I have a personal belief that when you get to higher end care, we're talking 30000 plus a month. Yeah. You're working with a demographic that you is used to getting what they want. So controlled substances, I'm not like a never type of person, but it's a used sparingly situation with drug addicts. Yeah. And when you go to really, really high-end facilities, yeah. you'll see most of the milieu, most of the people there are on it. And it's like it well, should be a small percentage. Not only that, not only that, but the, the whole foundation of treatment is frustration, yeah. not gratification. 
and the, and because drug addicts want it easier, kinder, whatever, yeah. and if they have money, they demand it. And if somebody meets that need, well, that's the that's where they're all going. Yeah, exactly. So so our our goal this this is one of your Dr. F's uh, one of your one yeah. of your psychologists. Yeah. Phrases for us as a team was always optimal frustration. Let's provide optimal frustration for I the like patient. That. Whenever so, I so, no, so enough frustration, they don't bolt out of here. Yeah. But frustration and and to- what can they tolerate? And then That's, raise that a little bit more. It, right. But yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna make tolerate. it. Yeah. We'll just yeah. take it right where they can tolerate and yeah. try to hold it there. Try to figure out what that is. My recovery wheelhouse was always the shittiest detoxes, and I would be coming off of heroin and benzos, and all I would get is clonidine. And it would be misery. Yeah. It would be the exact opposite yeah. of this story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, so yeah, okay. So I go in, I, I feign all these symptoms, and they started me on 32 milligrams of Suboxone. I had no... Oh, so you weren't near... It was, yeah, I was too, too easy. Too easy. I so we, 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 I wouldn't, we can bleep anything. Yeah, yeah. But, but, I, right? but I wouldn't allow that on our unit. Yeah. From, and, and it drove the hospital crazy because... Everyone's treated with that. Everyone drug addict wants that. And I'm like, look, I can't run the unit. If there's an opiate on the unit and one person is getting it, the other person isn't, Everyone the unravels. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting he's getting what I'm getting. And, and I yeah. can't run the unit. Yeah. So I said, no opiates, no benzos, period, yeah. on my unit. Period. Even then? even Absolutely. Yeah. He was so on a different unit. You were, brought, you were basically brought in. You and Blum were brought yeah. in. Um, and so... I lied about that. They gave me a bunch of, uh, they gave me a loading dose of 100 milligrams of Librium, and they gave me a, a PRN repeat of like 50 every half By the hour. way, with the Suboxone? With the Suboxone. Super and dangerous. I had no, and so, Super dangerous. So listen, listen to what happened. So I oh kept going God. back for the, I blacked out. I don't I lost oh. two weeks, right? You I must have been so, back. so proud of yourself and happy <laughs> and self-satisfied. The, 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 the medical max, I think, for Librium is like 400 a day. No, no, but we, we would use, that, that may be partly my fault because I advocated large doses of Librium for severe alcoholics. Yeah. If you come in at a handle a day, you're going to get 400 milligrams of Librium. Okay. But, but you're not Suboxone with That's it. Right. Well, That's so crazy. I, I kept on getting the PRN and the PRN and we went way, way past that. It went to like seven or 800 milligrams i lost two weeks of time Jesus. and they had to take me to huntington hospital oh my god and then they brought me back and i was in a bunch of different places and finally they were like i think this is just like and they were is it a psychiatric i think this is just like a chemical dependency program uh-huh. problem and they put me into Briar. Yeah. And I met you. Did we come up there? Mom. Did we come up there to see you or were you came down to us? I don't remember. Yeah. What I remember of our interactions was sitting in an office and asking yeah. you and Bob Forrest, how can you prove this is reality? And Bob Forrest <laughs> saying something like, either way, you're going to die. <laughs> Does it even matter if you die in your head or Bob, not? Bob with his hat and his glasses on. Yeah. Going, and he, I liked it because he'd point at you and laugh. And like, I needed that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so we, we find You addicts. figured it out, though. You said, did they, you or Blum, I don't remember which one, but you but, said, did pro- you drug test him? When he came it, in, Blum, Blum is Blum is, was really good about picking up the bullshit. So it's pro- probably him. Yeah, and, and uh, they they would offer. That's why I was loved being around recovering people because yeah. I I couldn't some of the levels of bullshit I couldn't even like ascertain, couldn't imagine. Yeah, and they'd go like, yeah, yeah, that's just that, that's drug, drug addict stuff. <laughs> but yeah. sifting through the bullshit yeah. must be one of the most complicated parts. of It's the, the job. job. It is the job. <laughs> and why why people don't understand that and they think their job is to medicate withdrawal or cravings. That is not the job. Yeah, that is not the job. 
and yeah. it makes me insane. Yeah. That's when I was in Washington, I was starting to get into that conversation. I, hopefully, they'll have me back. I've upset some people. But yeah. who are you talking to in Washington? Kellyanne and the head of the VA were my two main wow. listened most to VA. me. Wow. He and was they great. Got all the re- Shulkin. Money. They, they dictate where we go. Yeah, but he may be gone because he was caught using taxpayer dollars for paying too much for an airline ticket or something, and that's a shame because he's a good clinician. He was listening to me carefully. Yeah. And uh, I thought that's that's where I'm going to get my inroad, and then now they're saying he may lose a job. But anyway. Yeah. But so you're bullshitting. You're, you're bullshitting. Here, but here's what we, Bob and I, and, and Blum to some extent too. We would love that. We just love drug addicts. They're yeah. so funny. Yeah. So I'm sure we laughed our asses off. Yeah, like, yeah. We, we're like <laughs> I, I, and you know what? For a lot of us, like that's actually important. Of course, though, of know? course, it is. It, it's real. Yeah. You're really being funny, and it's like, well, not to mention, and it's you, like didn't mention, you didn't mention your Matrix obsession at the yeah, time. I was obsessed. Well, with that's the what this was. That's that's, why, yeah. that's what was going on here. And, and I used and, to wait in the parking lot for you, and I would ask. I had oh. the little single right near like the the medicine area. Oh, great. On the, on the and I'd yep. ask, can my girlfriend come in my room? And you'd be like. <laughs> No, like she didn't come. No, she's not allowed in your room. Yeah, it's so you were. That's actually easy. You know what I mean? You were. Yeah, you. You at that point are easy. It's It's easy. No, it's like, dude, come on. But the but the but the point is, heroin addicts and multi drug users and you know the benzos and everything. They don't know where they are, mm-hmm. and if you can point at something real about them, like you have, you're fucking full of shit, full of shit. or you're funny, yeah. or they're like. Yeah, how'd you? You see me? You, you, see you got me. me. You, you got me. Yeah. It's like let's go. It's maybe you can do something for me. I do want to get well. Totally. I just can't. Yeah. You know. So totally. Yeah. I mean, I'll just I'll fast forward and just do a real recap, like a quick recap of what I got to see the that picture. Was, that was two months. Maybe it'll jar my memory. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was it's two different. two months into Los Encinas, and so I was there eight months. <laughs> oh, I learned Jesus. that if you flipped out there, they tied you to the board <laughs> and they gave you the booty juice. Oh, so I started Jesus. intentionally, and there's a little Ativan in there with the Hal doll, and it feels good for a second. Oh, so I started intentionally God. doing that. Started getting, were you down? At, were you in our like our, our out in the the Nash house at that point? I was in the Nash. I was in Nash Gables, two east. Uh, two no, but west, when you started faking at, faking stuff, I was out of Briar because I completed Briar. But you go to Nash. They moved me to Gables, and they had just reopened Gables. Oh, uh, what a mess! Yeah, what was um, the, where was the thing where you were breaking windows and doing all that? That was in Pack. So in Pack, if you. That's where they give you the juice quickly. The yeah. booty juice. Were you the upstairs one or the one out? I was downstairs. You know, it's own unit. With the fences. It's own unit. Yeah, 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 yeah it was yeah, its own yeah. unit. Yeah. And um, and then so what happened is I got transferred around, and it became more of a psychiatric issue. They thought. And just to clarify, other than ADHD and a substance use disorder, that's it. I haven't taken well, medication since two thousand. Well, and to be, to be fair, may, you may have had. I I can't remember, but there are organic psychiatric conditions from the drugs you're using, like an infed, a stimulant induced psychosis, or or, or really manias and things from all yeah. the ups and downs. You can get you start to be manic, like even though you're not bipolar. You, yeah. you, you look manic, and sounds like you had some of that stuff going on. I had stuff going yeah. on, and uh, but so by the end, my parents flew out to visit. I was seeing a different doctor and a different. Board, and he had me on um, 1,200 milligrams of Seroquel a day. Four times a day, <laughs> oh. I'd get 300 milligrams of Seroquel, one milligram of Clonopin, and eight milligrams of Suboxone. So oh, I was sleeping 16 hours a day. I gained 60 pounds. Oh. My parents flew out to visit me, and they, my mom laughs about it now, and she said they were looking at me, and he came to the bedside with my parents, and she said it was the worst they'd ever seen me. Yeah. And he was like, isn't he, doesn't he look great? Who was, <laughs> Who said that? Which one? I mean, yes. I can delete it. Was it was S. Yeah, yeah, yes. please. Um, Why did you oh, say yeah. the name? Now you have to find it. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh. yeah and so, but it, that was the. But I, I always say, though, like, 
I was pretty cunning. I probably had real symptoms going yeah, on, yeah. some stuff going on. And I wanted medication. I wanted more. I wanted the Dr. Gray there gave me the option of when I was on Zyprexa of getting the pill or the injection. And I was like, I'll take the injection. And he's like, I've never in 20 years had a, uh, a patient actually opt for the injection. So right. that was, like, was med-seeking right. in a psych That should, that should like, tell him something. <laughs> and then I'd always ask the nurse. Seeking. She would get it. She'd you know, draw it up and they'd go in the bathroom and she'd give it to him in the med line. And I'd always say, hey, just let me do it because I thought maybe if I, I mainlined it. it would oh, be- Jesus. Dude, I, was, I was so crazy at, when I was there. At one point, um, I was cheeking my meds and I had an old like – it was like a syringe for a horse. It was like a 12-gauge, 5cc syringe in my belongings. And I remember cheeking geodome, and I was just crushing and shooting my psych meds. And I drew it up. You shoot them? I, sh- I drew it up, and oh, the geodome awesome. didn't mix with the blood where it was like a milky white solution oh, and blood. God. And I didn't care, and I just would, would, would fire it up. And, and I ended up going – not from that. I am going to the hospital for shooting alcohol in there. So it, oh. I was – Insane. Out of control. Yeah, it's insanity. But all drug addicted. I I had some crazy conversations with some of the powers that be over there when I kept saying, look, I want a banner somewhere that just says all the diagnostic criteria in the DSM-IV at the time apply only if... It can't be explained on the basis of drug ingestion, drug addiction, medical problem. Please just put a banner up there because they would just ignore that. That's what – so when I was at at, uh, Huntington Hospital, my parents loved him and probably in part because they wanted to believe this and it did happen to be true, is he said he would bet his career – that I was not a bipolar one diagnosis, no, you know, and right. it was, and, and I'm not. And that's know, what they had like, said in the beginning. I mean, it was bipolar NOS. So they threw everything under the sink. You know what I mean? But because like, it was all or- untreated alcoholism manifests. It's all organic. Yeah. It's, all, it's all, it's all, it's all addiction and organic effective drugs. Those, yeah. And withdrawal. And withdrawal. And, and back and forth and back and forth. And all of these things show their head through the, the spectrum of getting sober or getting high. And, and what, what do you withdrawal. mean? What do you mean? I mean, you start showing symptoms of bipolar in the midst of like the worst drug run and, and drug seeking and taking yeah. drugs you're not supposed well, to Well, then have. It's, it's a chicken or the egg. And I, I, if I remember right. correctly, Las Encinas, there was like sort of mission statements where it's like we treat chemical dependency and then the co-occurring thing, or you might treat the co-occurring thing first and then the chemical yeah. dependency. Yeah, it was hard. It's hard. That, that's, a, that's a dangerous and challenging diathesis to figure out. Yeah. And, and your work, when you get into it, you're going to see, you know, yeah. the, they know you're working on yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. don't, I don't say the school, and okay. we're anonymous with right, our so, first names, but, right. and so, they can figure it out. So, so, <laughs> so when you get that ID, that will you'll be see how challenging that can be. But, but you'll your gut will tell you. You know, it, it, it always is. I don't say it's best, but you, you don't go far afield clinically by just going with the assumption first that it's chemical dependency because it's so common, I, so pervasive. And the more I've been around addiction, honestly, the less I know. You know, and it's like, I know, for instance, the newest research, which appears sound, is that people with a substance use disorder, it's actually protective, and ADHD, it's protective to take a stimulant. And it's like, that's Until crazy. the age of 18. Until the age oh, of 18. Is that, the, is that a caveat? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, like, I just know I can't take it. I'll take the right. whole bottle. You know? Right. And it's like, so, until the age of 18, reduced risk of substance use disorder yeah. and reduce risk of personality disorders yeah. and better performance in academia yeah. so and better social functioning. Okay. So somehow, when I first, when that I literature... It's being applied where now I they're know. giving uh, stimulants I to know. people in treatment I, and citing this not, research. Not in adults. No, yeah, no, I, they no. They shouldn't. No. Like, I know it doesn't work for me. Oh, you know, my like, God. Yeah. If you don't ever do that, How don't ever decide work? you yeah. have a concentration problem. <laughs> How does that work where the stimulant is, is effective with under 18? Don't have any idea. And when I first started seeing that literature, 
literature. I, th- I, you know, we, I was during the the sort of burgeoning '90s of the amphetamine first amphetamine epidemic. I was like, well, of course, we're creating all these amphetamine, and I started looking at the literature very carefully. I'm like, oh my god, it's pretty conclusive that that's not what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but in adulthood, totally different story. He's saying because people they thought, oh, you give. No, I understand. You create- I totally okay. understand. Yeah, yeah. What I what I also want to get to here is like all of this conversation is very much a couple feet over my head. <laughs> okay. Okay. But I am a drug addict, and I am in recovery, and I think that it's important because one thing that Chris just said that I think is very crucial is like the more he learns the less he knows and and like we had this woman recently leave us this very very convoluted but beautiful voicemail about when you're ambivalent and and when you really want to stop but you can't you don't really want it and you want to want to stop and when you're as learned and as uh, experienced as you are what do you do 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 with with somebody like that well so it's sort of pre-contemplative contemplative we call that where somebody's thinking about getting better and that's good news good news for her um it's unusual that somebody will spontaneously go from that to jumping in Uh, that's the kind of person will jump in and out uh, and something probably bad is going to have to happen before she jumps in yeah. or some sort of something that, that wakes her up a bit, that makes her motivated. Yeah. There are people that theorize you can do something called motivational enhancement interviews that may bring that forward a little bit. What does that mean? It's like change statements. You talk to somebody and you find something that they're important about and you harp on that. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. I, I've been around, you know, I was... Uh, it would not have worked on Chris in his disease. I was an intravenous heroin addict for, for 12 years. Yeah. And, and I was in and out of shitty facility after shitty facility. I definitely do not have the pedigree that my friend has. You know? And the reason I love Dave and everything is like I get all excited and start talking about this, but he knows me and I'm just like an egocentric person. He just likes to... up big words. Like the truth is, like I'm just a total doofus. Wait, no, wait no, slow no. down, slow down, crazy. But you're a drug addict that's egocentric. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm very confused. I'm so confused. But the truth is that first of all, I want to thank you again for being on because this is his wet dream yeah. to be able to talk terms, yeah, but you got to medications, understand. dosages, <laughs> be valued for his schooling. Yeah. Look at him. Look at precious, but listen, you, you got to understand something. That guys like this is what just. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. It gives me faith, I guess, is the best word. Good. It gives me enthusiasm for treatment. It gives me the capability of like really feeling good about going forward. People, Particularly people that go into training, mental health training, I'm always blown away when people do that. And a lot of people do it because yeah. uh, I dealt with the very, very reluctant to get sober, the very sick. Mm-hmm. And when they get well, they remain interested in mental health and stuff. They want to know more about it. Yeah, I didn't want to do it for the longest time. And I was like, because I thought it was a cop out. I was like, everybody gets sober and then they work in the field yeah. and then somebody challenged me and they're like well it's also a cop out if you're just not even trying it for that reason yeah yeah then this is you're doing something different you're you may who knows what you're gonna end up doing you may end up eating eating doing eating disorder or something or yeah. who knows uh it may just interest you and that'll fulfill you and that's what you'll do but the yeah. fact that you're doing that is just yeah. amazing but that's another thing that we talk about on the show that <clears throat> the greatest thing i mean the greatest evidence that i have in being clean i mean i have a family that i love to be a part of i love to be a father, I love to be a partner, I love to be an adult. You know, I was a child for 40 years. You know, it's, it's nice to be an adult for a moment. Um, but what I love is the idea of actualizing an idea, of, of doing something that, you know, fulfilling and following through. an idea. Yeah, of course. And, and I think for Chris, uh, 
actualizing himself as an actual clinician, as yeah. a side D. It takes everything he knows and it, and and it goes from the like the dark side of the force to the light. Well, right, you know, and, he and was look, like a Sith Jedi fucking junkie. I understand that. I was now, I was there. I was, he, I, was, he, I had my I had my uh, lightsaber out. Exactly. <laughs> but you understand something? His experience will inform his cl- clinical. Uh, acumen and yeah. it will be very useful for people. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I, but I don't know like what it was. I mean, I I got to that cap in my own life where I mean it's such a fucking the cliche of you when you're so tired of being sick and tired where yeah. you're. But you actually get you can say that cliche for as long as you want, but until there's a you know a experience bang, experience it, it yeah. doesn't happen. I know. There, and there's you find that to be incredibly frustrating. Is that like the most frustrating part uh, of the job? Is that the most frustrating part of the job? But you can't make that happen. It, it, it used to bother me. Uh, I, I had to, it requires a lot of humility to, to really believe that mm, I ultimately can't do that much, but I'm going to do whatever I can do. And if somebody would show up, and, and again, I'll, I would run into Chris's, uh, you know, in my life all of a sudden, and I'd go, I have faith that anybody gets over now. I mean, if that guy can be here doing that, the the horrible, horrible, messed up, whatever I'm dealing with right now that looks like they're just not going to make it, they don't have a prayer, I remain hopeful because of Chris. Yeah. You know what I mean? Look at you, Chris. <laughs> and I've got a few of them like you yeah. out there. I got, we I got need a, to be cautious because the more good stuff that goes into Chris, I'm the more dangerous. now because Shush, you're saying all this stuff. Just take it easy. I understand. I, I, I understand. I understand yeah. the, the potential. Ego strokes are dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I, you, 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 you know I took a jab at him the minute before <laughs> that, though. You saw <laughs> So you know what you're doing. Tempered it, yeah. That is, that is good. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing is like... Uh, our thing, you know, us us trying to, uh, you know, I make a joke about this all the time, but we're trying to treat addiction with comedy. It's funny. People are funny, and they're yeah. never. It's never more funny than when they're drug addicts. You, did you told the story about the Matrix and me and Bob? You just yeah, did, yeah, yeah, yeah Bob yeah, Forrest. Yeah. And that was episode yeah. number three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's so funny, yeah. and I'm sure Bob and I just laughed our asses off and went on to the next person who entertained us endlessly with their <laughs> bullshit. And yeah. it's like, who are you talking to? It's yeah. like, it's like, good luck, man. That's like one of our taglines is that people will tune in for the debauchery and yeah. end up staying for the recovery and it's that, right. that the rope stages of change thing you were just talking yeah. about it's like the, the pre-contemplate people listen and the beauty is if we can even take them to that contemplative state and they start noticing other things in their life yeah but we didn't intend to do that we're no we're i know like, let's tell some crazy drug stories and yeah. then we started to like well hear stuff. i i have a okay uh we are in a, a spiritual vacuum in this country right now mm-hmm. and you guys are just the tip of the iceberg with mm-hmm. the illness that you manifested right uh, I think the lack of community and the lack of connection amongst Americans particularly is at the core of this. And recovery, of course, is about reestablishing deep connection mm. with sober peers and your sponsor and whatnot. Mm. But this, I, I have this feeling that podcasts may save the universe here <laughs> because podcasts are these little communities that develop. And it's kind of an intimate interaction. We all put our headphones in and we're working out or driving. Yeah. And, and I really have a lot of faith in th- things like this. So, yeah. so I'm hoping that it does what – get started for 100 bucks. Yeah, it's, right? Well, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> democratic as hell. But, yeah. but more importantly, it's the community that you build mm-hmm. and, and the people attached to your stories and attached to your you yeah. and have this sort of – it's not even a unidirectional relationship. It gets bi-directional because you also – develop a website yeah. and they have yeah, chats they constantly and yeah. are yeah. interacting yeah. with these people so what is your you have five podcasts right i guess uh, so you, yeah what's your favorite one if, your favorite? if that's okay <laughs> uh well my wife produces two of them so those are my favorite <laughs> which one yeah uh she does the all susan you out there yeah do a little pitch of your podcast 
She does the, anything hashtag you live. That's all, Susan. Okay. Uh, you live versus don't die? That Bob is don't die. Yeah. I, we have Dr. Drew, don't we, die. Go, okay. Okay. Don't die is Bob. Come on. Come on. Come on. Put, put, your, put your face in yeah. here. Quick, 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 quick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this life. This life with hashtag now, you live. And that's now Bob Forrest. Bob Forrest yeah. all the time. And then we have and the. That's with celebrities and addicts. It's, and it's, it's sort addicts. of more in the recovery zone, but not. We, we wanted it to be about life generally, you know, yeah. just and use, you know, sort of the things we've seen. And being and, alive. And informing yeah, that. Sorry, I said don't. Yeah, this life. Well, don't yeah. die with Bob. Yeah, Bob, Bob has a don't Bob's die thing. Yeah, yeah. But I think he gave. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great. All right, then we have the Swole Patrol. My calendar was sort of a health and fitness thing. The Swole Patrol, yeah, that's a new thing. That's a new thing. And it's doing well. It's for people who want to get swole. (laughs) And then we have uh, Weekly Infusion, which is a medically based interaction. Dr. Bruce and I do a a real medical, you know, real medical thing. Hardcore medical. They do a daily thing with Adam Carolla. There's the Dr. Drew podcast. It's a daily podcast. How do you do it when you're here? Uh, we bank them. Yeah. We do a bunch of them. Uh-huh. And, and then uh, the Dr. Drew podcast was just sort of a free-form interview. That's with like the people. flagship one, sort of? Sort of. Uh, just yeah. one that interests me. Just whatever comes up. It's, it, Corolla talked me into the one with him and the one on my own, and that's how it all got started. And yes. then Susan spun off with these just other Just go ones. to drdrew.com, and they're all there. There you go. <laughs> I knew she could do better than I could. So, and she mentioned getting swole. I might add that Dr. Drew is in phenomenal oh, shape. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm working at it. I'm trying. <laughs> these guys, I... I the, level, the level of... What about people pleasing in this this world the, the, the underlying many addiction addicts is a codependent yes <laughs> and so oh, I forgot mine too uh oh calling out with Susan Pinsky uh, okay there you go there, there you go calling out everything. with Susan Pinsky so what I want to do for my doctoral project which is like my dissertation yeah. is are you familiar with like uh, adult romantic attachment styles like yeah. Secure, yes, yes. anxious, avoidant. Yes, which are really just part of your adult attachment styles. In general, in yeah. general yes. Yeah. And some of it's rooted in the infant caregiver or the baby yeah. studies yeah. and stuff. And so for my doctoral project, they say 60% of uh, people are securely attached and the rest fall either into the anxious, avoidant, or anxious, avoidant. Not, not amongst drug addicts. That's what I'm saying. I <laughs> no sh- way. I want to do a high sample and show a formal relationship because I just, the, romance and finances are the two They, they all have attachment stuff. All of them. It, and, and whether or not it's really, you know, a chronic thing or just in their disease, I don't know. But they yeah. are all, I, I always saw, just so you know, one of my primary job was to form an attachment. And that's why. Mm-hmm. I don't with, you, your, with your client. With the client. I don't, model I don't, that. Model well, that I, here's, here's, it's, it's a little more complicated because. Because there's trauma too. There's all trauma, trauma, trauma in, yeah. in a drug addict's background, and so there's no trust, there's no connection, there's no attunement because it's all yeah. I'm just going to fix myself. I can't trust anybody, and then the addiction kicks in, and then it's off to the races. But um, if you noticed, that's why we would have so many different people interact with you, and often we'd be together, yeah. like me and Bobby and Sasha. Remember Sasha? I don't. Know she, she had an accent a little bit. She's oh yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she she would be in with me always because we you would attach differently to different personalities. And there's the woman. I'm the show Shelly Shelly yeah, I don't think Shelly was there yet when you were there yeah um, but each of us would give you an opportunity to form an attachment and yeah. you know, like, like Sasha loved sociopaths and we were yeah. like whenever she like really had found somebody entertaining we were like oh shit yeah. like, here we go yeah. but but they would she would form a connection with them and so and, and that would inform how we would then approach them too because we would then try to get an inroad with what isn't otherwise a more comfortable attachment uh-huh. you know sociopaths go for certain kinds of people yes. and that they can manipulate and whatnot. But we're like, okay, it's so special. Well, we know we're going to try to form an attachment with yeah. that guy. And and I I always, because in my own therapy, I, I had all kinds of attachment stuff. And yeah. I, did, I was in therapy for 11 years. Uh-huh. And when I got, was sort of towards the end 
of it, it really helped me navigate these things. Yeah. Um, to be able to find a way to just get close to a, a client. And then I would tell them that I want that. Now, I'm just here, you know, just to show you it's possible. Yeah. Then I want you to translate that to your sponsor. I want you to, to find somebody, somebody to recover. Yes. And I want you to, for, that it's possible for you to be close to somebody yeah. and somebody who can relate to where you've been and what you've been through and who knows you better than I do because yeah. they have the condition you have. I want you to find that tonight at the NA meeting. Or and that's, I, I mean, I, I'm, my fear is that I'm seeing everything through the attachment lens right now. No, it's it's a useful, I listen, Bob like does that big, all the time. What do you mean by that? Bob talks about that all the time. That I'm seeing addiction as like an attachment disorder, almost, you know what I mean? It's like you attach to a substance when you should be I'm going to give you, it's more, it's trauma and attachment, it's both. And I would argue that the attachment issues are growing out of the trauma. Okay. That they probably aren't. There are some for yeah, sure, yeah. but I think that the reason it's so pervasive—it's either early childhood attachment issues and or trauma. Yeah, the two together creating these dysregulated, disorganized yeah. closeness, yeah. which I would argue is a big thing in this country right now. I mean, just about everybody, and it goes back to our families being so dysfunctional that they yeah. can't—they can't get those attachments in the beginning. Yeah, That's does that make sense to you? It does. Are we over your head still? Or are we? No, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. The question is, hey, take it easy. Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking in. The, just checking the, in. The question is, though, when you attach to a patient and yeah. you have this relationship, and yeah. then you're like, fly free, little wing. No, 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 no. Well, no, no. Does does resentment develop, or no, no, no? Maybe an attachment to the sponsor doesn't come that easily, right? So, so just the way you ask the question tells you something about your attachment stuff. (laughs) So, what does it tell you? That that you get overly enmeshed. You know, you you consider an attachment a an enmeshment. I I wouldn't let that happen to you. You you would still have a a proximity that didn't swallow you up. So you could then go out independent. Part of the attachment learning about health the attachment is that that relationship might end or yeah. look different then mo- and move you can right, move you, no you to move flexibly <laughs> yeah. in no, a, i think that's accurate let me say it yeah. let me say it well no you you gave I'm us the anxious, information i'm anxious avoid it where i'm like so, i crave more from somebody and yeah. then it gets close and i'm like i don't want any of that so am i you know? I, I think i'm sort of more <laughs> in the avoidant end of the anxious yeah. avoidant yeah and, and um Oh, crap, what was I going to say about what you were just saying? Uh, uh, oh, t- it, the, it, what, what I think about how I verbalize this is tolerating flexible going and coming. Flexibly going and coming in closeness. Mm-hmm. And people either get too intense or too too connected. or And we, we you know, if you're properly attuned, you won't let that happen in the therapeutic <laughs> setting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> wow, doctor. How much do I owe you? I'm <laughs> usually talking about shooting puddle water. Well, well <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what deals with that somewhat is... Um, Al-Anon, because Al-Anon patients all have that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and you were kind of alluding to some of that in your own, in your own background, yeah. is, is that, that whatever is you know, going on the other person gets mobilized in me, mm-hmm. and I try to solve that through various dysfunctions. Yeah. That's it's fascinating, because I, I, I feel like even in all – I was in therapy, and I was in treatment, and, and like that sh- my shit was never really dealt with like – like that, the deeper stuff. Not yeah. at all. Well, because they're you know they're they're trying. Oh, somebody's at the door. They're they're trying to keep you alive. <laughs> they're trying to get this drug addiction thing taken care of, and so they're probably doing CBT and yeah. just trying to solve problems in the moment. Mm-hmm. If you want to go deeper, I call that real recovery. Yeah. And then you've got to find like an emotionally focused therapist that understands addiction, or a yeah. trauma therapist that understands addiction, and, and it's a hard to find that, and it's expensive and it's time consuming. 
it is yeah. hard to find a therapist that's good. I mean, I'm one of those people uh, absolutely. who's emotionally focused, like working in the affective realm that's with emotions in psychotherapy. I think that has the biggest breakthroughs, Yep. but I'm horrible at it. Like, you know, I, as, I, as a clinician or as, as a, a patient? As a clinician, as a human being, just because like I'm good at taking somebody who doesn't want to feel feelings, that feels shame over, and maybe holding their hands and feeling it. But when I've gotten clients who wear their feelings on their sleeve and are very open who are, would be very easy to work in the effective yeah. realm. I, it's too that's, much. That's your me. avoidance I mean, thing. My, that's your avoidance stuff. And it's like this process I've learned to be a better clinician. It isn't going to be sort of didactics. It's going to be working on myself. Experiential. As a human being. Experiential, man. <laughs> yeah. you got to get it. you got to get in the therapeutic setting and, yeah. and somebody who really is good at the EFT stuff. And good supervision. Exactly. Yeah. But that's great that you know that. That's You're, know you're that. way ahead. You're yeah. way, most of your peers don't function on that level. Trust me. But also knowing it is one thing. Another thing is having the courage to do the work to change. Or, or you can just avoid those kinds of patients. Just yeah, work, work where your strength is. Yeah, you can do that. I, a <laughs> well, work where your strength is. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. You know. I think yeah. that makes good sense. I yeah. like I like the sound of this stuff. I really do. Yeah. I, I don't like it on one hand, but I do on the other. Like, <laughs> like I, I've always been super defiant to like clinicians, to teachers, to authority. Just mm. like I don't want to hear about it, and I don't want to like. I've never been like, like. I've never been like singled out for anything. I like kind of just blend in and then I kind of like talk shit and yeah. I just disappear. You yeah. snipe. Yeah. yeah. I, I've always been like that. And, and like, thank God I got to get clean and like kind of, I, I'm not in therapy anymore. Like maybe I should be. I, I'm not saying that. No, I'm not saying you're saying I, I, that. I'm just I'm, saying I would, I would like to get to this next phase. Like I don't even know what my, well, what, what but my shit You may is. not need to. It's the point. It's like you, may, you have to want to do that. I, I knew there was something going on with me. I could feel it and I knew it wasn't right. I had sort of almost alexithymia. Like I was disconnected from emotions and things. And, and, uh, and I wanted to get better. That's it. And then I got into it. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, this is awesome. And I just kept going and going and going. I did a three-year closure. In other words, I did eight years of work, and then then for about a year I was stalling out. She goes, what are you doing here? And I go, I need to leave. I immediately started working again because yeah. that rapprochement, right? I yeah. had to leave all the way. Yeah. And it took three years. Yeah. It's crazy. That's, <laughs> That's how awesome, delicate though. this stuff is, wow. right? Yeah. I was going to get my, um, my KSAC in New York and then kind of pursue an MSW, but then – I kind of have this family stuff happening and it wasn't the time to do it. And then I kind of decided that dope, I, I wanted to work on dopey. Yeah. The idea of dopey being a talk show, like the view is for women at yeah. home or whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. Dopey is a dope fiends talk show. <laughs> yeah. That's the idea. You yeah. should, uh, to keep them company, but yeah. you should, uh, maybe do some Facebook live and stuff and maybe expand. We've thought about doing it. The problem I mean, you can have people in Boston. There's, there's, I don't know. How long you been sober? Uh, two and a half years. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, and you're how long? Four and a half. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are kind of, kind of. Believe it or not, you're, yeah. you're newbies. Believe yeah, it or totally. not. Totally. And and you got to get to five, and so, you know, so do you. Um, but at that point, you could bring in people who are struggling. Yeah, we yeah. do. You know, we do. Yeah, we already yeah. do. And okay, we try be to careful. Be judicious yeah, about be really that. careful. Yeah. Because like I said, we were, we were talking about somebody else, and I, I, I first thing I said was, "Don't let the, that person take you down." I had and, that and, feeling, and I didn't, I didn't yeah. know how long you had been sober, but I know that can happen. So we've been sober, and also we met seven years ago. You know, so we both relapsed after we first met. You were sober there and then had relapsed. Yeah. We met in treatment. Yeah. And I tried to take him out <laughs> a bunch of times. But I, you know, <laughs> exactly what you're talking about. And I haven't done, uh, I haven't uh, shot dope in 
six years. Yeah. I just wound up smoking weed for a few years and oh, then like fun. losing track of my family and yeah. being like, I need to just put put this out of my life. You, you don't get to do that. You're a drug no, addict. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's that's what I'm preaching now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard the story. I work in this restaurant downtown. And I see this guy in the restaurant, and, and, and me and Chris had just been doing Dopey for maybe uh, eight months or something. Yeah. And we have a list of dream guests, and maybe number oh. three on the dream guest is Bob Farge. Yeah, I tried reaching out to him. And, and I see a man, and I said, this guy looks like fucking Bob Farge. Probably he's is He's got him. the hat, he's yeah. got glasses. Nobody Who else, else, nobody else like wears that? a hat all day. And then I go back to work, and then I'm like, and he's with his wife and his kid, and I'm like, you're not Bob Forrest, are you? He goes, well, yes, I am. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. And I run downstairs and I grab the dopey cards. And he's like, he was in town to see the Chili Peppers. Yeah, he, he was just here. That was just recently, right? Like a couple was, months this ago? Was like, this was a different time. This was before. This was like a year ago. A year oh, ago. Well, he comes here all the time. So yeah. he'd, be, I, he'd be a great guest for you. He's been on like oh, three times. Oh, okay. He, like, he, he now, gave yeah. us, um, what's his face? Um, what the guy, the MTV guy? Matt Pinfield? Matt. He gives Matt Pinfield. Yeah. He gives yeah. Alexis Nares. He's given us great guests. We're Good. hoping that you you might be able to blossom some more people to come. Well, my problem is I can't admit who I've been involved with. Yeah, because you know what I mean. <laughs> what about <laughs> we can we we have the list from celebrities? Well, I was going to say unless it happened publicly, and yeah. and the person who pulls that off is my wife. You, you know, who you get I through want? to her, she'll pull that off. I want I want Stephen Adler. How's he doing? Last Bob would know for sure. He still is in touch with Bob, uh, but he he likes the marijuana maintenance. That's his big problem. He's way. Oh my god, he's infinitely better from where he was. His wife is. I, I saw her the other day, and I was like, Oh my god, you're so much yeah. better. She, she her codependency and stuff, and she now knows it, sees it, gets yeah. it, understands what she's dealing with. And um, and some of the time marijuana maintenance thing, the, it, the new the. the I work, sobriety. I, work, I work for a guy, Joe Shrank, um, uh, Sober Living Here, the guy who yeah. started The Fix, yeah. and he opened High Sobriety. And I'm yeah. like, I think there's a few people who might help. They'd probably take everybody, though, so it's going to hurt Right. People. So so it, it's... Here it, we go. It, yeah. <laughs> well, look, it's not... I'd rather have somebody on cannabis than an opiate. Yeah. And so if we're going to talk about Suboxone, Methadone, or Kratom, I'd yeah. rather have them on cannabis. Yeah. Uh, if it's, you know, I, I don't, I'm open to shooting galleries and alcohol houses where people are allowed to drink, where we can get you and hold you and start to talk about motivation. Working towards Yeah. It. So I don't mind that if that's the model, yeah. if it's, we're going to put you on a replacement, whether it's, whether it's pot, cannabis, whether it's cannabis, Spoxone or methadone, yeah. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. I don't, I mean, here's why I don't get you. Yeah. That, that will never happen. If, if you had gone down that road. You wouldn't be sitting here inspiring totally. me today, and so that and and if somebody it works and it reduces their it's a harm avoidance and it helps them live and survive and they're functioning again. Yeah. They're still chronically ill. Yeah, they're not fully recovered. Yeah, God bless them. Yeah, I'm not interested in being involved with that. Now, some that, people we talk about this yeah. all the time, yeah. and so like all the research, you know, with Subo- I totally support Matt and Subox and Methadone that stuff, but it's like they we're showing all these statistics and it has to do with the, fatalities the, the, and it's like quality of life doesn't just, factor. That's that's right. That. That's right. So the problem yeah. is that, and they don't know addiction. That my peers do not understand yeah. addiction. That's the biggest problem of all. But so, so if if survival is the only endpoint, 
I'm not interested in doing that work. That's what I'm saying. I'm not going to get you out of bed. I was uh, on methadone for six years. My life was terrible. Of course. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't do. All I could do was take out of focus pictures of flowers, (laughs) buy ice cream sandwiches, make bad food. Yeah, but you were alive. I I, I, would talk about this all the time. But maybe it got you. Maybe it kept you. you, Right. Maybe it kept you alive long enough where you did get sober. I I don't know. Methadone is not the one I would choose for that because that's a rough drug. (laughs) But, But be that as it may. It, it's complicated, right? Yeah. My the way I've sort of framed it is, I am sick of the excessive enthusiasm for this. It yeah. is, it is, and now there's, there's a guy named Keith Humphrey. You want to interview these guys? A guy yeah. named John Kelly at Harvard, Keith yeah. Humphreys at Stanford, okay. who are collecting the the data yeah. on abstinence-based treatments, and lo and behold, mutual aid societies are as good or superior to everything else, and they are. Fucking what is that mutual aid? Society? Twelve steps, yeah. okay. and they are fucking free. Yeah. And why we are not advocating. Th- wholeheartedly for that yeah. there're not enough therapists on earth to sit on drug addicts in their early recovery the of way course. they need to be sat and on and even if there was and you couldn't afford it you, you can't there are, you can't yeah. afford it and and people stay yeah. sober by being the people that do that for the newbies yeah it's it's a perfect system and it works yeah. and it's worked for decades yeah. and we should this is what I was yelling at the VA guy yeah. about it's like we need to, you need a campaign yeah. that to, to stop talking about suboxone go ahead and do your suboxone thing yeah right? yeah, yeah it'll save some lives Campaign for twelve step and this this resistance to twelve step yeah. is anathema. It makes me insane. Where is it from? Where, where, it's people. It's I, I think it's coming from angry alcoholics that don't want to recover. Yeah. And that's where right. I think it comes well, from. Also, yeah. 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 we're both twelve step guys, and it has that underpinnings of Christianity. They see the yeah, word but, God and they but, get scared. Uh, but you know that's what? Not really what it is. It, I've but. never advocate. I've always said whatever that means to you. All I need is yeah. you stop controlling everything, and you have to have faith in something that. The world's not going to spin off its axis. So I don't care what it is. You figure it out for yourself. The great reality within. We were, <laughs> yeah, we've been right. talking it's about matrix, this. The matrix. The matrix. We've been talking about this but, all day. But, but be that as it may, uh, there, there has to be – well, be that as it may, we are in a spiritual vacuum in this country. There's mm-hmm. spiritual depravity everywhere, and we need to solve that problem. Yeah. And the idea of something bigger than yourself is at the core of that, solving that problem. Yeah. And so why we can't be honest about that and talk in, in a, in a um, non-religious manner about it, religious if you want, yeah. is bizarre. I think maybe because we came through that – Sort of time of tea parties and hard right, you know, religious groups and stuff. The people were resistant to that, and I get that. Yeah. But let's let's get over that and let's just see where this can be useful for you because it does work empirically. Yeah. There's a Cochrane study about to come out, yeah. and, and you should interview these two guys, yeah. Keith Humphreys and and, and uh, Kelly. 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 Um, they're about to publish major studies that show how effective it is. But I think for that sure. there's a disconnect, and I, and I really believe this from most twelve step meetings with spiritual fitness. You can go to 12-step meetings all week well, and around. hear, uh, just don't have the first drink. Keep coming back. And some you don't are, hear some are about than spiritual yeah, fitness. And but spiritual that's why you shop fit- around, though. That's why you- I know, but I'm saying, like, I agree with his idea in terms of advocating for, for 12 steps. But within the 12-step community, advocating for spiritual fitness is like, it's not happening. Yeah, well, the meetings are self-governing, and that's why you, you look around. You find you, one that... I, I, I'm not sure what you're complaining about. Well, I'm not complaining, because I go to, a, 12, I go to a, a big book study now, and You've that's... You've been up to the, East, the Atlantic group lately? No. 
I live in Long Island now. Do you ever go to that group? I actually don't mind the Atlantic. They do book-based stuff. Yeah. They are very shaming if you say anything about Yes. But it's very much the core of what AA originally Yes. But what I... I, On uh, Park Street, there's one of the largest meetings in New York City is an Atlantic group. Have you you been to that one? No. And I'm not talking shit. I'm more concerned. Because I have so many friends who like... They they just hear... My disease is in the parking lot doing push-ups and, and while you're sitting in the mm-hmm. meeting and all this weird cliche stuff that isn't advocating spiritual fitness and doing the next right thing and, 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 and operating from a place of, of well, godliness. I, I would argue whatever that is as you conceive of it. And, and I would argue that that is the sponsor's job. Yeah. And, and so it really – so what you're telling me is you. is people are not getting involved. They're not getting sponsors. They're not getting sponsors. Right. And, and I always said – I know I said it to you because yeah. I said it to everybody at Los Angeles. No sponsor, no treatment. No sponsor, no treatment. Well, no sponsor, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell that story. But I even think he was pretty good. And it's something that I probably could have got out of. Ultimately, I was somebody who had to go through the book line for line and have a very sort of detailed – step uh, driven path to recovery okay. where I had other sponsors before that, that were sort of just looser. You know what I mean? Which is what he's talking then about. Then you fire your sponsor. Move That's on. I did. That's it. Yeah. I fired and went to someone. But you know, what, what Drew's talking though is on a, on a macro level, yeah. more mutual self help. And it's like, it doesn't even have to be, I mean, I support, I mean, it's not it's more community refuge recovery. Yeah. Uh, Oxford uh, house, Oxford, whatever. Yeah. Uh, smart recovery. Yeah, smart recovery. Is, I'm yeah. good. I'm game with everything. One more community. I'm not against it. I'm but, just, but, but I'm hearing what, what you're saying, and I and I'm processing it, and I'm thinking, okay, people aren't getting sponsors. Too many people on Suboxone and Benzos at the meetings. Yeah. You know, all that. Too many newbies, and people. That means people are in and out, and in and out, in and out, because every meeting is like a like a one a newbie meeting, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what you're complaining about is that none of them are evolving with a, with a core group. I wasn't you got, complaining. No, no. <laughs> when I complain, you'll know I'm. But, but that's complaining. I see that that I think is what it's symptomatic of. I, so. I'm, I like I have we have this friend. Uh, a friend who I used with forever, and and he comes on dopey, and he never got clean, and he's finally clean, yeah. and uh, he really he says he struggles with he's God. He's two weeks. He's got two weeks. Fine, but yeah. he's been in and out. Yeah, he's, he's been, been a million. You know, he's been in a million places, and he h- hates meetings yeah. because I don't think he's ever gotten this beautiful actual message that comes out of the book. I, I like. Well, it's like I went to a hundred meetings before I went to a meeting. Do you right. know what I mean? I was going to meetings until I lost in Cenas, yeah. and I was like, I didn't hear. You. <laughs> and then, like all of a sudden, I heard something finally, you know, and like that was a turning point. I, I just I, I, to, I, to I, focus in on what that was and see if you can bottle it. I'm of, serious. Of what I, the turning point? Was? Yeah, what that moment was when you heard the, something. The turning point actually happened a couple years before, and I, I was at McLean Hospital. I was Jesus. seeing a psychiatrist. Being fucking um, everywhere. Crazy <laughs> into the circle. Crazy psychiatrist. Okay, yeah. I'll say his name. I'm friends with him. He has a <clears> checkered <throat> history. His name Doctor. I, I love him. I would not recommend him to most people. He does research on psychedelics, and he was doing my biopsychosocial. I was taking these. This is ten years ago. These weird things called research chemicals, which most people didn't know. It was like two CB, two CI. It was um, tryptamines and stuff like that, yeah. manufactured in China and shipped over. And I was injecting. I was getting my ass kicked by him. And he looks down and he sees. Um, he's he's like totally checked out. He's like, it wasn't really. And then he sees I I did hallucinogenics and. He's like, it's kind of weird. You know, usually I'm yeah. a junkie, cokehead, alcoholic. Yeah, yeah that's not usually part I'm of the I'm still doing hallucinogenics. Yeah. And he's like, what hallucinogenics are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing these things called research chemicals. Like, you wouldn't even know what they are. And he just knew everything about uh. it. And he, he, in that moment, I got his, he got my respect. And I was uh, yeah. like, most physicians didn't know anything about these research chemicals. And he said, and I had already done yoga. He said, go do Ashtanga yoga. 
He's like, you can get with mindfulness-based practices what you're looking for with hallucinogenics. Yeah. I like that glimpse into something beyond myself. Yeah. I've always believed in something else. Okay. And that's what I like taking hallucinogenics for. So I left there, and I did that. And I took Suboxone, and I practiced yoga. <sighs> Could and you for, do anything with Suboxone? Yeah. <laughs> but for the first time, that bondage of self, that feeling restless, irritable, and discontent that was untreated alcoholism, it got a little bit better. you know. And like, the mindfulness helped. So that's a really great note. And, and But I yeah. became willing to listen to somebody yes yeah, yeah i relapsed went to treatment met dave my counselor was ex hell's angel like what, what i needed right yeah. and he was like do aa and it's like i didn't want to do it forever i wanted i liked yoga because it was isolated i didn't have to connect and i just became willing i was like i listened to this one other doctor i'm gonna listen to this guy i listened i showed up i heard people who had my story i was someone who was like I couldn't even someone they had to shoot coke for me to listen to IV coke they had to be a dope addict they had to be shooting dope if they were still catching a knot off their dope I couldn't listen and they had to be a total alcoholic or I you know what I mean or it's like I couldn't listen to anything and then I met my sponsor you know what I mean? all those things you know I met, I met a guy who eventually became my sponsor and I started to hear things for the first time so it's like that's me trying to bottle up as best as I can you know and well I like I like the turn I like there's, the, a, there's a turn be- yeah. before yeah. they're yeah. hearing something in a meeting yeah so there was a weird in that moment so it was it was a shared something with that doctor. But along the way, there were people. Bob Forrest, you know, my, my sister runs a nationwide addiction and eating disorder company. And um, she she always asked, like, who were people? And I, I always said good things about you. I remember going to your Wednesday thing. Lectures, Los, lectures. And it yeah. was, I remember being very impressed and I really liked it. Bob Forrest was somebody. Yeah. That, and it was like he had that ability to sort of connect yeah. with somebody. Yes, yes, he does. And these were all people along the way who were helpful. There was like... People, I don't even remember their names. You yeah. know what I mean? But finally what happened is I, I became willing and there happened to be somebody there yeah. mm-hmm. and something happened. You yeah, know? yeah. And then, it, that's that's it. The little the bricks start getting laid down, yeah. and then boom. And Bob was treated twenty eight times or something, and he says he thinks every one of those treatments was useful. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't regret one of them. And that's maybe where we can look at something like the high sobriety or, or suboxone or anything as a chance to get to right, that. right. I, I I try not to judge. You know, I just want to. I just know the stuff I will be a part of and stuff I'm not interested in being a part of. That no, doesn't I mean it's it. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know that for me, like whenever I did any kind of substance. There was no way that I wasn't going to do everyone. Well, I don't want to plant any different ideas than that, <laughs> but but I would agree that certain real addicts, that's almost always the case. Mm-hmm. But we've created all these sort of intermediate addicts now. Doctors have created all these opiate dependent yeah. sort of non addicts. They're they're not like you guys. Yeah, there's like a different category now. What is that category? We it hasn't been. Cr- Characterized really, it's that's why substance use disorder is getting broken down to so many different. And to continue your twelve step thing, I think sometimes those people find their way into twelve step programs, and they're not really good people. That's why you pick a sponsor that you has something that you want and that you feel like shares your affliction. Do you know what I mean? So he's saying those intermediate people, they might come in, they're going to get a ton out of the yeah, program. Yeah, they'll get a lot they're out of get it. better. Yeah. But it's like I needed someone who's like you. Yeah, (laughs) right. And 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 that group, I don't know what the replacement stuff for them. I I, they're they're not going to be normal on replacement. They're not going to be well. They're not going to be thriving. I'm interested in thriving and full recovery. Yeah, that that's what I'm interested in. And so I know that's not going to happen when you're taking a substance. It doesn't mean the substance is bad. It doesn't mean the I you know that anybody else who's not an addict couldn't use that substance. I'm I'm not never. I don't think substances are good or bad. They're just people use things. Yeah, but. For you, it's a no, and for and for most of those people that are struggling and are not, you know, the kind of addict you guys are, 
they will never fully thrive. Yeah. It, it will always keep them from a full recovery. Can we ask you a question? Yeah. Have you ever done drugs? Um, I did. <laughs> this is going to be a sound bite, all right? We don't do sound. <laughs> you're, setting, you're setting it to Good Morning America? Yeah. You're getting at least money from this. Yeah. Somehow. No, I did. Yeah. No, no. I, I, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, like Alcohol is still something I use occasionally. Yeah. I used uh, pot briefly. In fact, I think, I think it had... I had severe panic attacks in college, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think it's why they precipitated so oh, severely. Really? Yeah. yeah, I think that's what happened. You, you think that, that the, 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 no? It just I think it came. The cannabis I, pushed you to the cliff. Not when I was using. I think yeah. it opened up that circuitry. So when I to, so when I started getting depressed and I started having trouble and getting anxious, it just it opened that circuit where panic dropped in. Yeah, and panic is terrible. Yeah. Just disabling. Yeah. Uh, and cocaine a bit in the eighties, you know, like everybody else. Um, but you know, I didn't, didn't have any momentum with anything. Thank God. And I, I'm a lightweight. With, uh, I want to change pace for one quick second with celebrity. I love celebrity. Uh, was it celebrity rehab yeah. or celebrity detox? Celebrity rehab. <laughs> I, well, whatever. I was using, yeah, I was much. living, I, no, I was, I was hot. Yeah. I was living in Echo Park and I, I bought any show that had people on drugs. I was like, let me get high with them. You were in Los Angeles? Oh yeah. I was in Los Angeles for six years. Just to run, to run drugs? No, I, I had, I grew up here and I lived in, in public housing. I got He an had an MTV show and he blew it all. Yeah. I blew a million. <laughs> I, I lost a, yeah. I had a lot of consequences, <laughs> but um, I wound up in Los Angeles because I lost my apartment here, and I was like, "Fuck it!" If I could produce TV in, in New York at twenty at twenty two, I had a deal. I was like, in high school, I was on MTV. I was like, I can produce something in LA, no problem. I wound up there uh, as an associate producer on some show. In the bathroom, I had a tissue box full of needles. In the public bathroom, in the drawer, nice. I disappeared constantly. I, maybe I produced there for. Three months, and then I was just full time addict. I, I got a girl, and I lived with her. I got on the methadone program, and I walked around in a bathrobe like Brian Wilson. It's fantastic. But when I in watched, Echo Park, which now is yeah. gentrified. Yeah, I, I was there, but right before. Yeah. Um, but when I was there, I would watch celebrity rehab, and I loved it. I, I really did. Um, but but I, you'd sit and go, oh, those guys are I'm not like, look at those guys. Well, I would love it when they'd <laughs> run out and I'd be like, go, be free, go, get high, do your thing. Um, but then, you know, you hear people say that it was irresponsible to make a show like that. Okay. What do you say to that? I, I, I like, you got to get specific with me. Okay, in, in other right. words, like the goal was to pull back the curtain on treatment and show what addiction is and what treatment is. Mm-hmm. That was our goal. I think we achieved it. We had lots of people coming into treatment because they saw it, not because they were coming for us. Because it looked good. Because, that place no, looked, no, it they looked just awesome though. Well, we were always what we'd always hear was, I, "I saw this, I saw that." It was like my story, and I couldn't deny it anymore. So I'm coming to treatment. Yeah, we, we'd hear a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, How's over. Flavor doing? Flavor wasn't Flavor Flav on it once. No, didn't he hook up with What's Her Face on it? The, that was on uh, that. What was that play? Another reality show. But she was on. She was on. Yeah. Okay, so Flavor never showed <laughs> no. up. There. He yeah. could have really used it. I maybe I don't know him. I love I, Flavor. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you love Flavor. How did how's she doing? Uh, intermittently, she's doing pretty good. She struggles a little bit. But to go uh, back to I, I've heard but, that before. But I, but here, here here's what you hear. Here's what yeah. you'll hear. You're, well, first of all, the big criticism. <laughs> what we struggle with was what do we do about twelve steps. What do we do? What do we do? How do we present that on television? Anonymously, we, yeah. Right. So we first season, didn't mention it at all. Yeah. What did we hear from the 12-step community? What the don't, fuck? What the fuck? Why don't you use 12-step? <laughs> yeah. so, so then we sort of carefully adapted a, 
a model of we we called the the steps uh, assignments. You know, we'd use yeah. codes yeah. and we'd say you're going to your meetings. We wouldn't say what kind of meetings. Yeah. So we had this sort of thing going on where they could see what we were doing twelve step. We didn't. Co- we might have even said twelve step. We certainly didn't say any particular program. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of how we solved that problem. Yeah. The, what I always hear is you're exploiting people, yeah. and and that I that's a confusing one to me, yeah. because n- every one of those patients yeah. had a great experience. Yeah. The, wouldn't you, if you were exploited, wouldn't you feel exploited? Yeah. yeah. And you, I, I encourage you to go ask any of them that were in that treatment. They they all had this. Here's what we didn't know that I was very very grateful for. They all had the same experience, which was every single whether it was the sex addiction show or whatever was the yeah. same exact phenomenon happened every single time. They came in wanting to be on TV, wanting to be paid, not giving a shit, wanting to destroy our program, wanting all. to give us crap. And and some of them because we were very serious about our treatment, we just calling them by their name, not whatever their porn name was or yeah. their or their celebrity name was. They they would jar them and they'd be like, "Oh my god, why are they calling me that?" Mm-hmm. And we would just keep at them, keep at the treatment, and every single one of them went from resistant to, "Oh my god, this is a good thing. I'm getting something out of this." In every single one, by the end of treatment, was like, "Hey, I want to share. This. I want to be a role model. I want to share yeah, this the with the people." Really fell down. It was un- uncanny. Huh. It was really maybe one didn't do that of all the people we treated, and uh, that wasn't didn't mean they were a straight line to recovery. I yeah. mean, we know that they're still going to struggle and stuff, but they felt good about their treatment. And they felt good about presenting it to the world. Yeah. And you, here's one other, and, and these are celebrities, right? So the first. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. I haven't talked about this in so long. The the first uh, season, I was very anxious about you know what the effects of the cameras were going to have. And I every group I'd start. Well, are you guys okay? Are you right? Are right? Is this bothering you? And uh, every day I do that. I do that. I do that. Finally, Mary Carey, the porn star, looks at me and she goes, "Drew, I've done pretty much everything in front of a camera. I, cameras do not bother me. This is not going to be an issue. Trust me." And it turned out people that are used to being in front of cameras. They they know what they're getting into. They yeah. they all knew what what but that isn't meant. Isn't it different fucking in front of a camera than, than revealing your I soul? Didn't, I didn't ask her whatever it was they all felt comfortable but here but here's the conundrum so the other criticism we got was oh you only do celebrities you only do celebrities and in real life you know i didn't do that many yeah. celebrities i had regular people so i said well let's do a regular people show so we did a regular person show yeah. um no one watched it yeah. nobody <laughs> watched it and, and i could tell that that group, although some of them are doing so remarkably well, people yeah. are like you, yeah. tough. Yeah. They gave me the tough. They were the toughest. Of, they were they were way worse than the celebrities in many ways. I could tell the cameras were like turning them on a little bit. It bothered me. It was like this is not right. good. Yeah. So I, that I will never do again. Yeah. So to that, no one has ever brought that up to me. Yeah. But that's where I thought we had a problem. Yeah. And now, fortunately, they all did pretty well, and we gave them lots of resources and yeah. lots of treatment. And, and the other thing is, they all get treatment afterwards too. They're given th- hundreds of thousands of dollars of treatment. Yeah. Now a lot of them turn it down. Yeah. Was that and on VH1 too? The normal people on. That we got more treatment afterwards? No, no, no. The yeah, it was on VH1. Yeah, okay. it, was just, it was just called rehab. I think and, I might have watched it. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, it wasn't like we didn't, we took care of them afterwards. If, yeah. if they would participate, a lot of them won't, you know, yeah. how it goes. Uh, so, and I always thought VH1 sort of take a bow for how they, how they funded the treatment afterwards. I just insisted on it. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I, I the, so the criticism has to be very specific. Well, it's a treat to hear that because I've, I've heard that before i've heard some of the criticism and to hear your response i needed to bring it up i would always defend you and i'd be like look i i met dr drew yeah. like, he is like a real person yeah. he's a real doctor and he cares about his patients yeah. and like i think that and these guys because, because they're celebrity it doesn't matter to me i don't give a shit yeah. i don't care yeah they're drug addicts in need 
Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. And you've been around celebrity enough to know that it's it's just another job. Mm-hmm. And then these people are fucking spiritually ill and mm-hmm. fucking fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so like they need help, and it's 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 the yeah. uh, the Hippocratic oath. And the 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 stuff I would get from criticism from professionals would oh why didn't you show CBT why didn't you show mm-hmm. fancy or this and that yeah. that's not TV not. They, they we did that it yeah. didn't show up on television yeah. so why did and it so, stop. Um, it's expensive because I made them. First of all, they all want to be paid to be on TV. That's yeah. how you got them in. And right. by the way, what's wrong with that? I don't. Do you care what motivates somebody to come exactly. into treatment? If you can pay them to come into treatment, and somebody's got the money to pay them, pay them, yeah. bring them in. That's, that's fine. Like a whole type of treatment now. Yes, they're doing that now. That's right. <laughs> that's and and so there's that. People will criticize that too. Like, well, you paid them to come in. Yes, yes. I don't care what they came in with. They wanted cameras and pay. Good. We. I don't care how I get them. That I get them is what counts. Um, Shoot, I lost my train of thought. What were you saying? That uh, I was. Oh, oh, the, the, my peers. So yeah, they. So the stuff that shows up on TV is not. It, it's not treatment is boring for the most part, and yeah. it doesn't. You know, the, so the stuff that shows up on TV is just the conflicts and the chaus and the withdrawal and, yeah. and all the stuff that happens on a drug unit every time. Yeah. Every time you go on a drug unit, Michigas ensues. It yeah. just does. But eighty uh, percent of it's not that. Too. There's a lot of other stuff. Well, going, but know? what goes on TV is That's the Michigan. Yeah. yeah so when yeah, you so. look back, you've had you've done so many different shows and so many cool projects, and obviously things that were not entertainment based at all. No. Like Chris, was, <laughs> he's very entertaining. <laughs> um, what, what were your What are your most proud things that you got to do? Um, and what's your future too? If you don't, uh, well, the, start yeah. with come on. Yeah, you want well, to think proud I, and future, you past and present. The, 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 everything in one the future has always been like an exploration. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it's always like like celebrity rehab. Got a couple guys showed up and went, "We're going to do this thing," and I went, "Oh, you can't do that." Yeah. And they were like, "Well, come on with us and try to figure it out." And I and what I did then with that project and i thought well it's good to go pitch and it's an interesting idea we'll see if somebody can morph it into something yeah. and the whole time i kept going you guys can't you know you can't do this you can't go to a hospital you can't do this yeah. and eventually somebody got interested and then i went to hiding by the way when vh1 got interested i was like oh shit <laughs> well you don't know this story this is an interesting yeah. part of the story i was like this is i'm not sure i want to do this bob came into my office yeah. one day he didn't know i'd been pitching that show or yeah. i've been with these guys who were pitching the show it was not my idea it was yeah. somebody else's idea he came in my office and he sat down in that chair. We would always put the patients in, you know, yeah. that chair. Yeah. He sat down in there and he goes, you know, I am so sick of our patients, meaning some of the celebrities we had treated, being portrayed in television as on a spa vacation or making, a, making excuses for their behavior. Yeah. These people are sick. Yeah. They, do, they do work hard in treatment. Yeah. Drew, we need to do a TV show where we show that. He had no clue, no idea. Oh and I was like, I was literally was like, I got cold sweat. That's I was like, like synchronicity or something. That's I not, went, yeah. oh my god, Bob, <laughs> I, if you, re- I'll trust your instincts. If you really think there's something, wow. should, somebody is approaching over this, and he goes, absolutely. Good. He, I remember he slapped his hands on his knees yeah. and jumped up, went, we got to do it, and he just stormed out. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, she's used to Bob <laughs> yeah, now. Like, so that's a typical kind yeah. of Bob thing. Yeah. And I thought. All right, I'm going to go forward. We'll see what happens. That's, that, wow. that's why, why oh it happened. God. That's awesome. So I'm I'm proud that we pulled the curtain back on that, and it became a little bit of a cultural conversation as a result. Uh, Loveline, you know, that was to me that all started because of HIV and AIDS. I was working a lot of AIDS patients then. It was a 
horrible, dark, tragic time that people have forgotten about, and it motivated me to get on the air and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I had an opportunity, and so I just kept doing it. I did it for free for 10 years and yeah. just thought I was doing community service. <laughs> and uh, then it morphed into a TV show, and I was like, I don't know, what's that? So I just sort of go through the doors. And mm-hmm. I, I am I, – I have dialed back a lot of my clinical stuff. Uh, I'm sort of officially on to my second career, which is focusing on radio and television, see what I can do with it. Awesome. I, I never, never didn't really focus on it before. I just sort of would kind of explore it, do it. You know. Do you still have a private practice? I do, but it's straight. I do a lot of uh, you know sort of consulting and stuff for – People are calling me about addiction problems every yeah. day. I don't yeah. have a formal practice in that. My, my practice is, is general internal medicine. Yeah. Patients I follow for 30 years okay. that I just, they just keep taking care of. Gotcha. And I stopped doing inpatient medicine. I stopped doing inpatient psych. And yeah. I sort of crammed three med- three physician careers into you know one yeah. <laughs> 20-year period yeah. where I was doing inpatient medicine, outpatient medicine, and then all this addiction stuff in the psychiatric hospital. Yeah. And uh, it was a very rich experience. I, I love the human experience. I, I love humanity. I love people. And so to have that window, and no greater window than, than a drug addict. Because yeah. you, you, when your motivational systems are broken, yeah. you see how everything else is falls victim to it. Yeah. And so your thinking, your emotions, your interactions with other people, it's all under this distorted motivation. And it's just fascinating. I think me. with this spiritual lens, and this is maybe going a little, little deep right here. Is going to the Matrix. Like, here we go. <laughs> well, I mean, like, uh, God's greatest gift, if you will, is free will. You know what I mean? The ability you lose that with addiction. And you do. So it's we've gone. had something tampered, you know, and like, what is the way out? I choose to see it's like the same, you know, it's through the same thing. God, however you define well, him, she, it, whatever. Formalize that because there really has never been kind of a philosophical approach to all this. Yeah. You know, there should be. Yeah. You know, what is the philosophy of free will when it doesn't work? We'll and, figure that out on Dopey, maybe. <laughs> Well, that's it'd be, really, it'd be a dopey philosophy, though. Two more. <laughs> we had a dopey philosophy, but I forgot what it was. Yeah. But there are two more questions. Yeah. Um, if you had, because if you're focusing on radio and television, yeah. what would your dream project be? Like, what would the show look like? Would it be like you, like Maury Povich? R- right or now, would it be like you, like Oprah? Or no, would it be like some? Do you have no, some? Right now, this I, I probably won't happen. But I, I keep having this idea. When I was on HLM, we did a couple of shows where we had an audience, and we would fill the audience with. X type of person, all transgender, all Muslim, okay. all black. And I would interact with them. And like I, that to me is like... That's pretty cool. That was, Powerful. And, and they were great shows. Yeah. Okay. Of course, nobody watched them. But, but, <laughs> but, they, but it was like, I, I'm very good at that, about, yeah. about tuning to what's going on and, and creating dialogue that yeah. moves the conversation forward for anybody who's watching and for the people in the room. Mm-hmm. And so that's my fantasy. That, that's But I... No one seems to want to do that, but that's the kind yeah. of thing I'd like to do. Yeah. What an interesting idea, though. Yeah. Because yeah. we, we are not talking in this country right now. And there's all these tribes, and I want to combat tribalism. Yeah. I had this friend of mine, because I, I had made a, a little web series that I'll tell you about later, because it kind of protects my anonymity. And I was trying to get ideas uh, to pitch, because I was working. We, we almost had you come down to this production company that I did a shopping thing for. And my friend had this idea because we weren't sure that Susan wanted us to come here or not. (laughs) And I had booked a studio just in case that would have made you feel better. But we're happy to be here. Anyway, my buddy pitched me this idea to do a show called Us Versus Them where you bring in the group and in a studio situation. I just thought it was a funny idea. No, it's not a funny idea. It's a good idea. And it's very television, right? That's what television wants right now. I, I'm not sure. My only concern about that, while I like it, I do like the it's idea. The whether you'll get anywhere, right? You won't. It, 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 it's it's, it's, like it's a, too cantankerous. What was that guy? The the Robert Downey the Third. Yeah. Was that guy. 
The uh, Morton Downey Jr. show. Did yeah. you ever see that show? Mm-hmm. He was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was classic New yeah. York. Um, and then the next, the most important question yeah. is what do you think about my vision for Dopey? Yeah. <laughs> Which is? A talk show. A, for a, a pa- a, a, I see it as Regis with Kathy Lee. Yeah. With, with, with dope fiends. Yeah. And talking about the absurdity of using and the absurdity of being somebody that used trying to do the right. next right thing. I gave you my thing about podcasts saving the world, yeah. right? And, yeah. and So I think you start there and you build your community. I would go to the Facebook Live or something like that or YouTube we, or something. Do you think we dress like cholos or something? How you do we protect bandanas? Yeah. I, I'm nervous. Clowns? I need to get licensed in a couple of years, you know, and it's like I don't know if I if it's – Prudent for me to be. Yeah, what do you think about that? Well, I think I think you need to be forthcoming about all of it when you get your license. I I already had to meet. I mean, before I went to start school, they were like, you need to consult a healthcare attorney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get licensed, but I'm just still. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm I'm nervous enough where I'm like, I want to keep it. You know, and then he has a family too. He doesn't want his daughter. I don't want my daughter to Google (laughs) our name and just see like. Seizures, IV, fucking all this stuff. Because we say good stuff, but we say some pretty dark things as well. You know? Give me an example. Okay, one of my favorite dopey <laughs> stories was me and my friend were getting high. Uh, I had a seizure. I ordered Mexican food. Yeah. I have a seizure. Yeah. Uh, the Mexican food gets there as I'm seizing. My friend freaks out, terrified, running around the house like a nervous wreck. Then there's a knock on the door. Somehow, he opens the door and he's so panicked, he faints. Right? I wake up from the seizure. I wake up, I see my friend on the floor in the doorway, the Mexican delivery guy standing over him. Yeah. Like, what? what happened here? Did this guy just kill my friend? It was like the most junky Seinfeld yeah. you could get. Yeah, yeah. To me, that stuff is good. Yeah. It needs to be shared. It, but it, but in, in third grade, your daddy's a fucking junkie. Yeah. Like, I don't want my daughter to have to deal with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but she does have to deal with that. She, at some point. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. yeah. It's about when. Isn't that a good story, yeah. though? It's a great story. Yeah. It's a great story. And, 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 and only addicts get their yeah. the, into yeah. these stories. Yeah. I, I'm struggling with not doing it because it's so important for people to hear these stories and to have a relationship with you and to see you and for other people to feel like they can step forward and share their stories. So you're saying we should break anonymity. Well, now, <laughs> but anonymity is a, you can't promote 12 step, right? In media, you can talk about yeah. your experiences a little bit. You can say 12 step, yeah. which is kind of like the back door. Without yeah. Saying a, and and a, I, a. I, I see Bob and I, you get Bob in here to talk about this. Cause yeah. he's, he's very clear about this. He, cause he, we, we studied the 11th tradition and we read about it. We tried to figure out because it, it needs to be exposed to the media, to the world, yeah. but not promoted. Right. Exactly. And those are two different things. Yeah. And so us talking, because it's a program of attraction. So us talking about the experience of what it is and how you do it, that's not promoting it. That's just talking about the attraction yeah. as opposed to somebody in the program getting, you know, saying we need to organize a media campaign for our 12-step group. A lot of that came about from Rockefeller because Bill Wilson, when it started blowing up, he was like, let's create an AA hospital. Yeah. And he went to Rockefeller for money and Rockefeller was like – Actually, I think you got something good going on yeah. here, and like you shouldn't yeah. formalize if it. it. <laughs> right, if you formalize marketing, and, yeah. and that, that will ruin it. It'll be yeah. done. It'll be over. Yeah. This is a flexible, self-run program yeah. that needs to remain where it is. Yeah. Um, but not your, dopey. Dopey needs Well, I was going to say your your guys' uh, anonymity versus not. 
I don't. I see. I don't think the individual has to remain anonymous. I think that's no. That's the individuals. I mean, you saw the anonymous people, or you yeah. heard maybe of the show. Yeah, that yeah. takes basically famous people, politicians. Know, so they come out and say, "I'm an alcoholic." I'm yeah, alcoholic. and that's okay. but but it's yeah. different to say I'm, I'm a part of a program. I have yeah. a condition as opposed to I'm going to share all my stories and how I recover and yes. stuff. That's yeah. a little bit of a different deal. And and it, it, you're early to be doing all this is really what we're what, what's yes. going on. Yeah. It's really at the bottom of this. Yeah. It's too soon. It's too soon. Too yeah. soon. Too yeah. soon. Yeah. Too soon. Dr. Drew says too yeah. soon. So yeah. when, Dr. Yeah. Drew? <laughs> uh, you're going to figure that with your sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a sponsor now? Yeah. Yeah. So that should be who we should be figuring that out with. Yeah. And my sponsor doesn't love Dopey. <laughs> well, so so he doesn't he, love Dopey. It's, it's the same instinct I'm having. He probably thinks it's too soon. He yeah. thinks that Dopey though could be some kind of nonprofit thing. Yeah, that's his big vision for Dopey. What's wrong with that? No problem. We're yeah. just yeah. we're just growing. We're just growing. Yeah, yeah just keep building the community. Yeah. Keep creating the attraction. Keep focusing your recovery. Yeah. The Everything problem, will happen in its time. The problem with us and Bob. Is that Bob calls us on the phone while he's driving? Yeah, he's driving through like the hills. Can't hear anything. We're like, you know, he also doesn't respond to texts very often. It's like I'm sure Drew doesn't have that problem. (laughs) He called. He has done that on my show. He's he's called in from his car to be on my show. Yes, he has done that on his show with me. It's not just my show. It's my show with him. He's a joy. We love Bob. Yeah, and we're grateful to him. We're grateful to you coming. Yeah, Bob still does the junkiest shit you ever seen. We all and it's and it's it's I glory in it. I remar- I can't. It's like wow. That's I, you really. You're such a junkie. It's so good. Yeah. He gets a little offended sometimes because <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he's he thinks he's outgrown most of that stuff. But we all still exist. But that's why that's why I believe in Dopey because it's those little quirks that are hysterical, hysterical yeah. and human and rich totally. and fine. They're yeah. fine, yeah. and you got to embrace all that. But you can't let it run amok. Because yeah. it will get you. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Privilege. For yeah. having us here. And being privilege. Awesome. Thank you for coming out. Thank, thank you for you doing so all much. that hard work. Good for you. Yeah. Thank the, you. The only thing that I re- regret is that we didn't have a classic dopey email to read Drew. Do you have one? <sighs> Are these sort of war stories or something? Or? No, they're, they're people asking for help. Or we have, what, we do you, have a, what do you do? I, I, like, I what do you do? queued up. Not a good Usually, one. you know, again, it'll be somebody like what Chris was going, fix me now. And I have no resources. <laughs> what, what do I do? No, dopey classic dopey email is a story from somebody, and then they're usually like, "I like your podcast." Oh, or something nice. like that. Fuck it. We'll send. We'll, we'll send you, or I'll tell you when. Thank you. Listen. All right. Good. And uh, thank you so much. And you know, go on Dopey Instagram and Twitter and Reddit and follow Doctor Drew at drdrew.com and him on Twitter and him on everything and. Dr. Drew for president and yeah. the people. And- let's go. Let's go solve that opiate problem. This this administration is, believe it or not, listening. I had yeah. another question. Does the Surgeon yeah. General have to be an actual surgeon? Uh, no, he has to, he's this guy's an anesthesiologist. In fact, so, uh, Dr. He, Drew for Surgeon General. Yeah. Well, I think you have to be in the military, though. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to be a general. yeah. Yeah. So so he he uh, the guy that is the Surgeon General though is. Um, has a brother who's a meth addict in prison. Oh, wow. and he's, that's he's good. Two, that's great. He's, he's that an helping? anesthesiologist, so he has a weird. The anesthesiologists don't really get addiction very well, mm. but uh, I think we can get his ear. I think yeah. we can get him. He's a nice guy. Very I nice have guy. one more question. <laughs> yeah, one more, one more. We were talking about this before. It's like I just watched a documentary about Johnny Thunders, the guitar player from the New York Dolls, who was a horrible junkie coming yeah. up in the 70s, and you're seeing all this footage of like open air drugs on the streets of New York and yeah. how bad the heroin epidemic was then. Yeah. 
And right now, we're saying that it's the worst the opiate That epidemic. was nothing. Okay. That was nothing compared to this. Yeah. So but this is fentanyl and car fentanyl. And this is physician-initiated. started, yeah. Yeah, oral prescription opiates. Yeah. If they don't die when the doctor adds the benzodiazepine in, then the doctor realizes he or she has a problem. They cut them off. They go to the street. They go to the street. That's how heroin happens. Yeah. Well, there you go. Once on the street, it's mixed with fentanyl and car fentanyl. Now you're in big trouble. Yeah. You Thank go. you, Dr. Joe. Okay, Thank guys. you, Dr. Joe. You have to say, stay, awesome. you have to say stay strong, Dopey yeah. Nation. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles. You don't have to say toodles. Wait, what's the, what's the one? Uh, what do the, the uh, Juggalos do? I don't know. The, <laughs> the ICP people? Yeah, <laughs> they, they, have, they have a greeting. Whoop, whoop. Chris says toodles. And I, All right, stay strong, yeah. Dopey Nation. Toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. And I want to take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting Smaller, smaller, and it's time to where I stand. Shadows getting smaller and smaller, and it's time to where I stand. And I wonder would they pay it any mind when I leave this busted city far behind? I'll take the high road, however far it winds. Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I want to be good so bad want to be good so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had these suckers make me mad and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had 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 and these suckers make me mad and it's all I ever had and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had